Good morning. Welcome to the service this morning. It's wonderful to have you here. Grab yourselves a seat. A special welcome if you are a visitor here today or if it is your first time. It is lovely to have you here. I see a few grandparents here today. Lovely to have you here. Thanks for coming. Now this week, I have something very exciting in my bag that I'm going to give away. So just be ready, be ready and eager because you may be the winner of this exciting thing in my bag. This week, there's been a New Zealand company that has uh, done something that I think is worth celebrating. And in the Bible, it talks about God's kingdom being full of justice and peace and a place where all people are welcome. And I think there's a company in New Zealand, it's pretty hard when you're just a company to you know, do the right thing, but over, I think, several years, it has tried, I think, to embody values that I think represent God's kingdom. It also produces an incredible product. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, what do you think is hidden in my bag that I'm excited about? This week, what is it hidden in my bag? What do you think? What do you think it is, Juno? What's hidden in my bag? but I did hear someone else holler. Was it someone down there? Who? It is, it is chocolate. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't the block I was looking for, but I'm hoping it's because it's sold out, but this will go to the first person who can come up, run up, and tell me what is the other name? of this chocolate, the other name of this chocolate that's been in the news a lot this week. What's the other name? Who can tell me? Go. Come on. Bring him up, Dallas. Come on. Oh, he, he, he doesn't want to come. Come on. Come on. Game's a fast game. Come on up. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna be beaten. Uh, Meraka Kavini. Is she right? She is. Well Good done, job. Hannah. <laughs> celebrating uh, Whitakers, who celebrating today is uh, giving the milk chocolate the Maori name, and you might have seen that in the newspapers. Gosh, people were upset by that, weren't they? Crazy, crazy times. I've just noticed, for those of you who are new and don't know, this is Paul, he's my husband. Today we dressed the same. We are both wearing a denim jacket, a scarf. You should have worn jeans, but we've got black shoes with fancy laces. Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> um, I have something else exciting in my bag. I'm not gonna make you guess this. This is 
my favourite or second favourite biscuit. Now, I'm gluten-free. I can't eat normal biscuits. It's hard to find a good gluten-free biscuit. Can I get an amen from the gluten-free folks here? Amen. But here it is. I have bought these because morning teas have started up again at church. Exciting. We're coming to the end of the COVID nastiness. We can eat together. So I bought my favourite biscuit. Now, this is just... Um, uh, blatant promotion here to say, please bring your favourite biscuit to church to share with people for morning tea. In fact, buy a whole bag of them, bring them, so that we can, you know, eat them over the weeks. Now, and then in the news today, you might notice there's, there's one wee guideline that we have. Please don't bring chocolate-covered biscuits because there's a lot of small fingers here which we love. We love the little fingers. And maybe it's adults as well. When you eat the chocolate biscuit, it melts in your fingers. And then it's very easy to smear all over our seats. So please bring your favourite biscuit that's not chocolate covered for morning tea. And just before the kids go out, tell your neighbour, what is your favourite non-chocolate covered biscuit? Tell What is your favourite non-chocolate and leaders, you can head out to your awesome program. Kids and leaders. Oh, there you are. Just going to give my biscuits to the wonderful morning tea people today to add to the, the biscuit pile. There you go. Add them. Add them to the biscuits. Now, hopefully, that conversation sticks in your head and you can be like, I need to buy biscuits this week. Today, um, in a minute, I just want to lead us in a bit of a prayer of confession. But some of you may have seen in the media lately just this relentless, and I'm not blaming the media, this relentless bad news stories about behaviour in the church. Um, you know, we've got Gloria Vale, you know, here's a group claiming to be Christians and following Jesus and, you know, horrendous exploitation. We've got Arise and the report that's come there. You know, there's the endless reports coming from the Catholic Church um, and on and on it goes. Last week there was one about a church in Christchurch exploiting people and asking for their money. I'm like, what a time to be a pastor. <laughs> Um, at the moment, there hasn't been something about the Anglican Church, but that's probably more by luck than good management, because I think, you know, this, this is widespread, and it's horrific, and I think the only encouraging thing I see from this is when journalists say, this is not like Jesus, like, thank goodness they have a sense of what Jesus would be into and what his values were. 
but it's an indictment on us. And I think, you know, in the dark moments of the night when we reflect, and I read the whole Arise report, reflect on what is in there, there's traits that I think are common to humanity. The sense that we use people for our own ends. We are not kind to people. Now, just a wee aside, this week, on a completely different note, there were some people in the office who do part-time admin work, and they did say to me, this is the best place we've ever worked. So there's not going to suddenly, I think, be skeletons jumping out of the closet um, this week. But, you know, it doesn't get rid of the fact that this is humans, that we, we are not always kind to each other, we don't always treat each other well. And I could sit and be smug and go, well, that doesn't happen here. But the fact is in my own heart, and probably in the hearts of all of us, there is always this challenge and struggle. Are we learning to treat people with dignity and respect? And are we learning to lay down our own lives, our own dreams, our own ambitions? for the sake of others. So this morning I want to lead us in a prayer of confession, just acknowledging what is often in our own hearts. And then last week Mark taught us a song and we're going to sing that again as this act of confession. Let's pray. Loving God, we have soiled your name. Those that claim to represent you are making it an embarrassment to share the name Christ follower. God, we are sorry that this is what the world thinks of your values and your kingdom when what you preached and how you acted was the polar opposite. Jesus, you died. For our sake, you gave up everything. And yet in our own hearts, we often claw to be more important, to get more recognition, to be seen as better than others. Transform our hearts, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Shape us to be like Jesus. Help us to understand who Jesus was, what his values were. And God, challenge us. When we're caught in those moments, when we find ourselves using others for our own ends. Stop us in our tracks. Remind us of your love, not just for us, but for every person. May we truly be light to the world. God, transform us. Would you like to stand with us and sing?
Fair. 
sorry when I've just gone through the motion. I'm sorry when I just sang another song or take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this hole a seat. Lord, thank you that we can gather in your presence. We can gather in your love. We can gather in your mercy. We can gather in your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you that you're here with us. I pray that you speak to us. 
You minister to us, you heal us, and you inspire us. In your name we pray, amen. Um, today we're looking at um, Jesus healing the bent over woman in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke. So I'll just start by reading the passage. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Now, I was thinking about that, that this week, and I came across all these newspaper stories um, about the mental health crisis and COVID and the health system being overwhelmed and doctors and nurses burning out because they've, they, there's just too much need. And I had this realization that even well-meaning governments can't fix all our problems. It needs more. We need more in order to heal the world. And it also reminded me of these Byzantine um, hospitals. Oh. oh, yeah, there we go. Um, so in the, in the fourth century, around 350 AD, there was this deacon in the church called Marathonius. I'm only going to say that once because it's hard. And he was in Constantinople, and he saw this need around him, which is that poor people didn't have access to health care. The rich did, the soldiers did, but poor people didn't. And so he starts a small hospital specifically for caring for poor people. And over the next one and, a half, uh, yeah, one and a half centuries, this movement spread across the whole of the Mediterranean. And there were hundreds of hospitals springing up because um, Christians felt this call to serve the poor and look after the needy. And I think it ties in with what Jesus is doing in the story. Because I think the first key point that I want to look at is that Jesus has the back of the vulnerable and stands up to the powerful. Jesus had no problem breaking shameful customs 
to heal a woman who had been in a deliberate in a in an awful condition for 18 years. And Jesus meets the religious gatekeepers and he confronts them. He confronts them because they're trying to preserve their way of doing things, their power, their exclusivity. And he says to them, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. There's this woman... Um, called Barbara Schwartz, and she's a Dominican in America, and she's a painter. And she started this organization which tries to um, use painting and preaching. And she had this really interesting um, picture of what this scene looked like. And in most of the art, you find that you have Jesus on the side, and he's kind of leaning back and he's got his arms stretched out. And then over here you have the woman bent over. But Barbara's painting is a bit different. It strikes me because here we see a Jesus that's not distant, that's not lording over. We see, a, we, we see a Jesus who's empathetic, who understands her condition, who mirrors her, who understands what she's going through and bends towards her to embrace her in healing. And this compassion does something to her. It raises her up. It lets her stand tall in who she is. It lets her stand tall in the love of God and the healing that she's received. It gives her back her dignity. It empowers her. It empowers her because she has met Jesus and she's felt understood by Jesus. She's, She's felt valued and loved and embraced. That's the first point. Jesus has the back of the vulnerable, and he heals, and he transforms, and he empowers. Now, the second point is that traditions are meant to be places of healing and transformation, and they're not an end in themselves. We don't preserve tradition for tradition's sake. We preserve tradition when they're forms of healing, when they're places of of refuge, of peace. Michaela Bruzzese says this, Jesus rejects the rigid interpretation of the law and insists instead on the spirit of the law, that that the Sabbath provides liberation and renewal for all. We can look at Jesus' healing on the Sabbath as him breaking the Sabbath laws. We can look at it that way, but we can also look at it a different way, which is he's upholding what the law was meant to do in the first place. And the Sabbath, the Sabbath was was a, a day set aside by God for his community to remember what he's done to come together and celebrate the love of God, 
the mercy of God, the, um, the compassion of God, the things that he's done, the calling them out of Egypt, making them into his people, transforming them, giving them hope. That's what the Sabbath is for. It's to remind us of who we are in community, to empower us in the love of God. So I don't think Jesus was breaking the Sabbath. I think he was doing what the Sabbath has always, was always meant to do. And I think it was the synagogue leader who got a bit power hungry, who probably didn't like the attention taken away from him and given to this woman who was being healed. Walter Brueggemann says this, Jesus is always looking beyond his own interests to the interests of the needy. The issue is a reordering of priorities. Jesus gives himself to this woman. He gives himself to this woman because he knows he's loved by God. He knows that he's empowered and he wants to share that. For him, that's the religious priority. That's the reordering. And I think that Sabbath and traditions aren't about us and what we desire. They're about seeking God, sitting in God's presence, grace and mercy, and letting God transform us into Jesus' likeness so that we become people that serve like he serves, heal like he heals, and love like he loves. In John 13, before he dies, he says to his um, followers, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this image of Jesus healing the woman is that an action? It's an image of love, which is contrasted by the synagogue leader who's out to rebuke and separate. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now, Carolyn before spoke a little bit about when the church forgets that and what happens and the damage that can be caused when we get it wrong. People get hurt, people get burnt out, people get abused. And Jesus says this in, in, in John 10, the thief comes only to steal, uh, steal kill, and, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God wants us to have lives that are beautiful, that are living to the full, that are full of peace and grace and mercy and love. And we act out of that mercy, peace and grace. I had a burnout, burnout experience about five, seven years ago. It took me five years to get out of it. And it was a mixture of two things. One thing was that I was young and I put too many expectations on myself. And another thing was that the community I was in 
put too many expectations on me. And that's a dangerous combination. Because when we start living out of expectations, we, start, we stop living out of that rest that God calls us into. When we make up our own expectations or community, yeah, or start living to, up to expectations that we think people have of us, we stop listening to the Spirit. We stop listening to the Spirit's voice, and we stop listening to the Spirit's healing. And so my healing journey, I talked about this a little bit last time I spoke, but there was two things. Oh, was, yeah, there was two things that helped. One was I came here and it was a place of rest. But the second thing is also super important. And Frederick Buchner says this thing. He says, your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. And for me, I love playing guitar. And about five years ago, that's all I could do was play guitar. And when we came here, we needed people to play guitar because it was just me and Paul playing music. And so it was a place where I could use my greatest joy to serve. And that in and of itself is healing. So what does this look like? What does it look like when we start to live this way and treat each other like this? And I think it looks like what Nick and Tessa are doing in Uganda. And so I want to have a look at a video that they sent through to us. So have a, yeah, have a watch. Hi, All Saints. I'm Nick. And I'm Tessa. Thanks so much to Paul for mentoring Emma and I. And Steffi for sending in the annual quiz. We're looking forward to it. All the best for Sunday. Smashed it. I'm not much of a morning person, and <laughs> when I head off to work, I'm often not feeling great, especially on a Monday. I worry about Barlonu Health Centre, which isn't seeing enough patients. I stress about money, which has disappeared, probably stolen. <laughs> I worry about Jackie, a nurse who's really sick in hospital. I feel a bit sorry for myself. Then, most days, I see Lucy on her veranda, and she greets me with two profound words. Mot toi, greet the sick. She commands that I connect and have compassion for the patients I'm about to encounter. And love seeps in. I start the day at St. Philip's, our largest diocese health center, which is wedged between the cathedral and the bishop's house. And my mood immediately picks up with our enthusiastic Sam. I've been here since 2019, and for the time I've been here, I've enjoyed so many things. I like St. Philip, 
because it's a busy facility and we have very many patients that we serve. And the most interesting thing about St. Philip, we really serve the vulnerable who cannot afford expensive body medical services from other places. But here our services is cheaper, at least there is that opportunity that they have in helping the vulnerable. And also about St. Philip, the staff, everyone here. It's nice to work with the staff, the patients, in the environment itself is so enjoyable. And then it's lunchtime. Smash cassava, eggplant mixed with silverfish. This is fish, smash fish that mix. This is sorghum. Wow, thank you, Emma. And in the afternoon, I get to work with the incredible Emma. Look straight to the camera, but still. No, no, I don't mind. Looking around a bit is okay. Oh, fine. We have a health centre called Okui Health Centre in a remote rural area in the village where one of our nurses called Daniel is doing an amazing work. He's a guy who's uh, working together with the local church, he's a Pentecostal church, and he's one of the leaders in that church. And they do a lot of uh, developmental work. Currently, they've been mobilising resources and raising the awards for their church. They meet every week and plan for this church. And it's one guy who is so passionate about every patient who comes to the health centre and give correct treatment and always refer in time. And with the community, as, he has been like a rock for them. They have been doing amazing work together. The same growth I've seen in Nyakagoro, I visited recently and I've learned they've grown. The church has grown. Uh, they've got a land, two and a half acres, and then they've made the bricks and raised a wall and they've moved with a grass touch. And right now they're having about 250 Christians who are worshiping God there. It's uh, one side that I see God every day putting his hand to this community and their heart for service. And I'm so passionate about their growth and their love for Christ in that community of Nyaragwa. <laughs> So I hope that underneath my privilege, my selfish ambition, my mixed motives, is something more profound, more powerful that drives me. The force behind the joy in Lucy's greeting, behind Emma's passion for healthcare and ministry, the force behind creation itself. I pray that we can all grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us, and we don't let things get in the way. So I want to finish with um, a prayer that we say quite often as part of night prayers in the flats, which I think helps center us into this idea that we're a community of healing, of grace, of mercy, 
So let's just take a moment of silence and then we'll say this prayer together. Say together, be present, Spirit of God, within us your dwelling place and home, that this house may be one where all darkness is penetrated by your light, all troubles calmed by your peace, all evil redeemed by your love, all pain transformed in your suffering, and all dying glorified in your risen life. Amen.
the goodness of God. Without your spirit 
Reflecting on the service, we've been challenged, and we've also had that moment where there's been this confession. And usually, in a service, once you've confessed, you are reminded that you are forgiven. So, before we go today, I want to do the traditional Anglican thing. Know this you are forgiven, be at peace. God forgives us. Forgive others, forgive yourself.